0: is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How
1: about yeah!
0: this, Cowboys? This, this is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star
2: in Frisco. hand to the goal line. Barry, sack by Lord. keeps it, and he it into the
1: touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah
0: Stanback. Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, and Kyle Yeomans. It's another edition of Talking Cowboys, this 2021 offseason presented by GEICO, live and in person from inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios, except for, uh, oh wait, we're not all live and in person because one of us is, uh, you know, just virtual again. Hey, hey, Isaiah, you're looking great down there. You're looking nice and sunny, and you, you look fantastic. Look at that, freshly shaved. I mean, what are you
2: doing? Where are you at? Yeah, yeah. Man, it's just a little family vacation. You know, just taking the family out. They just got out of school. You know, we got the season coming up. So I'm just, you know, a little quick little getaway so I can go ahead and recalibrate and get ready to get back to it.
3: I'm impressed. If, if I were doing that, I would not be doing the show today. For That's that. dedication. Right. Yeah, I would I would see you guys next Monday. <laughs>
2: That's dedication I, you know right what? there. You know what? Like, like Bane said, we're here for the people.
1: Oh,
2: why? Why was wow. that the reference? Why? Why did we have to go
0: straight to Bane, Batman? <laughs> people, and we're here for the. People. We got. You know, we got to have one a show at least. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, maybe not a Batman villain reference, but hey. Uh, yeah, no, we we appreciate your uh, we appreciate your dedication. And how about that for the listeners at home? You get to steer, still hear Isaiah stand back, even though he's a little distant. We still have him in our hearts here at Talking Cowboys, but. Outside of Isaiah Standback, we've got Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison. I'm Kyle Yeomans driving the bus here for the next hour as OTAs begin today here from the Star in Frisco. Now, we don't necessarily get a chance to watch any of these OTAs, at least today, because media availability is tomorrow, and it's raining outside here in Frisco, so there's no real look at the Cowboys team anyways. so... OTAs on the horizon. We're going to kind of preview exactly. Hey, there's a good, good live look in outside. Great job, Chris Beam and Scott Purcell Tostitos. for those of you watching. Yeah, there's the Tostitos Championship Plaza as it is rainy and stormy, nasty outside. But inside, we get to talk about OTAs. We're going to preview it coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But first. I wanted to ask you guys a question. I was asked this the other day uh, on the Blitz, and it's uh, it was a very interesting question to me. Caden Gates came up with the question, uh, and ultimately, it's who has the most pressure? And we talked about offense and defense last week, right? And we talked about how there's different types of pressure on both of those sides of the football. But who has the most pressure from a coordinator standpoint? Dan Quinn. Or Kellen Moore. Hmm. Kellen Moore entering his third year. Dan Quinn, of course, in his first year as the defensive coordinator. Different types of pressure, certainly. But, Rob, if you had to put your finger on it and you had to select one of the two who has more pressure to succeed heading into, well, this ups- upcoming offseason, this upcoming training camp, then preseason, then the season, who would you put it on? Dan Quinn. Easy. Easy. Dan Quinn. And not
3: not that he's on the hot seat, but look, he's coming into a situation where, hey, this was the problem with the team last year. We're bringing you in because this has to get fixed if we're going to take it to the next level. So, and he, he's here, by the way, because he's got a great track record, great resume, uh, but he's coming in to a situation where he's got to Kellen Moore doesn't have to change his scheme, doesn't have to introduce his scheme to anybody. He's just got to fine-tune things, and there are things that they've got to improve on offensively, no question about that. But Dan Quinn starting from scratch in Dallas with a lot of young players and a lot to sort out in terms of lineup and and get everybody on the same page in these OTAs and training camp. That's what didn't happen last year,
1: so he's got to do that here. Heckma? So, hi, I'm Captain Obvious. <laughs> Obviously, you know, Dan Quinn, for sure, already comes in on the hot seat. He sees his predecessor, uh, done, one and done, and he has to do something. And he realizes historically bad defense, yada, yada, yada. You got right to right the ship. Right, but if you want to talk about someone that should be should feel a little bit of pressure, I would say it's Kellen Moore as well. I, I mean, even though the offense was middle of the road, 14th in the league, still he realizes with all the built-in excuses from offensive line to Dak going down that if he had all of his horses in his stable, that they would definitely. I'm just going to say top 10, top 5 offense, and maybe that could have catapulted you to a playoff run. But, yes, obviously it's Dan Quinn because of all the things that he has to fix, but doesn't mean that Kellen Moore doesn't have a little bit of heat on his back pockets as well.
0: So I'm going to let Isaiah answer first, and then I'm going to tell Heckman why that's a coward answer. Heck, or Isaiah, <laughs> what do you think? Is it Dan, Dan Quinn or Kellen what? Moore in terms of the total pressure that's on them?
2: Heckman's not, <laughs> <laughs> not pleased with that I, comment. Not pleased with that comment. I can't. I can't. Uh, unfortunately, I can't see my boy's face this morning, but I know Heckman probably gave him the. Hey, what? It's all good. Uh, he's there not you happy. go. I know. I, I know. I, I know Heck. Yeah. I know <laughs> Heck. Uh, I but no, the, the, the obvious. I'm gonna I'm double back on what my guy Heck said on uh, the captain obvious, uh, but for for three reasons. Dan Quinn. Number one is coming in, and he's expected to be fix fixing Felix. Mm-hmm. Right. So he's coming in uh, for, from a historically bad defense. Um, not only does the historically bad defense uh, come in on his shoulders, but he also has a history of being successful. So people are expecting the Legion of Boom to be present now here in Dallas. They're expecting that, that same type of energy, that same type of, type of vibe. So that's the expectation of his history, both here in mm-hmm. Dallas and also coming from uh, Seattle and Atlanta. Number two, he has to come in and create a culture. Right. There is there was no culture on that side of the ball. So he is going to be tasked with creating a culture. And in number three, he has to not only bring the guys that were already on the on the roster, but he also is bringing some of his previous guys. Oh, and by the way, let's add some rookies in there. So the onboarding process and the, straight, the stress of all that together obviously makes him the number one choice in terms of who has the most stressful job coming in.
0: So this is why I asked that question because I had a feeling that the easy answer was going to be Dan Quinn and I was hoping that Heckman would also go with Dan Quinn, but he kind of went with both of them at the same time. But I didn't think it was a coward answer. I I said you said Dan Quinn. It was it was a little. It was just kind of you said Dan Quinn, but both basically is why I I thought it was a coward answer. I wanted you to go one way or the other. Is it Dan Quinn specifically? what
2: What did you say, Isaiah? I, it sounds like Kyle's trying to tell tell her, tell the people that you're playing it safe, sir. Yeah, that's I what
0: I was saying. I, I want I mean, you to choose a side, and I want you to be 100% certain.
1: I mean, it's, it's heat on both of them. What are you talking about? You go 6-10, okay. you, you don't have the success that you want. Your offense is abysmal also with your defense. They get all of the heat on them because they're historically bad, but because of the quarterback carousel and your offense being dysfunctional, um. Uh, Just put them both in the pot. One person doesn't miss heat over another one, Kyle. So don't start no SH, won't be no IT this morning.
0: No, that's fair. Okay, so basically (laughs) the reason why I asked this question is because the easy answer is always going to be Dan Quinn, right? I mean, it, it is. He's got the fix-it Felix, like like Isaiah said. He's got that mentality of having to come in. And I don't know if the Legion of Boom is the expectation. That's surely the goal. I w- we would love for that to happen. I don't know if that's the expectation. I think the real answer is Kellen Moore here. And the reason why, and I wanted you to kind of switch it up a little bit, and you, you put out the number of 14th in the league. You can't do that again if you're Kellen Moore, right? Nope. Cannot do that again. If the team, if this defense is not necessarily the same as what it was in 2020, if it's a little bit better, then I think you're fine. But it doesn't have to go from 32nd, or I guess 28th is what it ultimately was defensively. It doesn't have to go from 28th to 3rd. It has to go from what, 28th to probably 15th, 16th, 17th? Somewhere around. To be around a there. competitive team. Right. But why, That's,
2: but why is that, though, Kyle?
0: Because it's a multi year project. And that's my question is who has more pressure in twenty twenty one? Dan Quinn has a multi year project on his hand. Kellen Moore has been handed the keys to a Ferrari where all of the all of the tools, all of the weapons are all there. They're all ready to roll. And if he doesn't succeed, I think it's more on the offensive coordinator than it is on the defensive coordinator,
2: Isaiah. See Kyle, Kyle, I don't I don't know if I can get down with you on that. I'm, I'm as, as they said a the white man can't jump. I'm hearing you, but I don't know if I'm listening to you on that one. See, and the reason <laughs> not, why you're not listening to Jimmy you're, listening. you're here, Jimmy, but you're not listening. <laughs> you're not listening to Jimmy. You're here, but you're not the reason why we say that our defense doesn't <laughs> That's a great movie. The reason why we say our defense doesn't need to make these huge strides is because of our expectation of greatness on our offense. That's the reason why we say our defense doesn't have to go from 28th up to the top 10. If we, if our offense wasn't what it is already, mm-hmm. and our, our expectation wasn't is what it is already for our, for our offense, we would be saying, okay, we need our defense to go from 28th to top 10. But we're not because we have an expectation of greatness on that side of the ball. And look, before Dak Prescott went down, even
3: with Tyron Smith out, mm-hmm. they were averaging well over 30 points through five games yeah sure now is it perfect it's not yeah they had to and and by the way like that one in what was it were they one and four two and three two Two and three
0: almost one and four don't
3: put that all on the defense because Zeke was fumbling the ball Mm -hmm. Dak was fumbling the ball there were some picks there were some mistakes that were handing the ball back to the opponents and, and making things harder on the other on the on the defense here but They showed they could pile up yards and points, they need to get off to better starts, Uh, they need to stay healthy, and they need to be better in the red zone. Red zone has been a problem for really as long as Kellen Moore's been here, and I know you know he kind of chuckles about it when he gets asked about it. Sometimes it's a situation, there's different reasons why it doesn't work, but I think they were 28th in red zone. Efficiency last year, scoring touchdowns at like fifty percent.
1: But who has more built-in excuses? I mean, for as, as far as guys defense, going down, for sure. the
3: defense, right?
1: And, and so you 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 look at that the defense, and you say, all right, well, Dan Quinn, you got things that you have to fix wholesale. You know, for the offense, you get Dak back, you get your tackles back, you solidify the swing tackle position. You're cooking with Crisco, yeah. And so, yep. the, you know, you talk about numbers. We last year going, but coming into 2020, all we were talking about is the numbers that Dak put in. In the previous season and why that didn't equate to a playoff all right so is it the good offense beats bad defense anytime good offense which which one do you prefer good offense good defense which one is going to win you a, a championship and I think in the NFL today everyone would side with a good offense and I think
0: we've shown that we have that especially with the points and the yards that we've put up. See, and that's kind of my point here. Is yes, the offense was to blame for the first five games prior to Dak going down, and then after that, injuries kind of snowballed into the season that was. But it had the numbers. This offense was there, yeah. and I, I mean, I was questioned on the on the chat a moment ago. It says when has this offense ever been a Ferrari? You just look around. I mean, you have Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, C. D. Lamb, Michael Gallup. That's good enough to be a Ferrari. And then if your offensive line is healthy, yeah. you can add to it. And so that's that's the nitrous to the Ferrari, I guess, if we're gonna stick with the metaphor. Fast and Furious. You have the you <laughs> have the right tools. Wall run movies. Yeah, right. <laughs> you have the right tools, you need the right driver. And I'm not necessarily convinced that through two seasons. Kellen Moore has shown, hey, I'm the guy that can make this thing go no matter what happens. Because once Dak went down, sure, expectations change, but there was a lot of struggle on that side of the football for a long time. Not only a struggle for numbers, but a struggle for creativity, a struggle for rhythm. Anything you needed Kellen Moore to find as the offensive coordinator wasn't necessarily there and wasn't consistent. And so that's why I say the pressure's not on him. He's not safe by any means. Neither is Dan Quinn. We've already seen that the Cowboys can replace after a year of a defensive coordinator. Safe. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think either one of these oh, guys no, are I going think, to go anywhere. I
3: think they're safe. I think they're
2: both very safe. You think so? <laughs> yeah, I do. They're safe. I'm listening. I'm listening to that. Why is that? That's... Go ahead, Isaiah. No, I mean, I was I was questioning the, the use of I know he has a huge vocabulary, but the word safe right there, I was kind of questioning it because both of these guys are locked in, loaded for at least a couple of years. Uh, yeah. Dan Quinn's obviously he can come in and do – the he can have the worst defense in the league, and he's still going to be there the following season. Uh, you started looking at, you know, Is on he the out? other side of the ball. And we're going to uh, – yeah, absolutely. We said that uh, about he, not he, Mike they're, they're Nolan last year, I'm pretty sure. No, 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 mm. nobody ever said that about Mike Nolan. Okay. Mike Nolan doesn't. Mike Nolan was expected to come in and and, con, and contribute and try to turn this thing around. Uh, but I don't think when you compare the expectation levels of Quinn and Nolan, I don't even think they're in the same ballpark. I, I just honestly, I really don't. Uh, and you know, Mike Nolan didn't bring his whole his whole defense with him either, <laughs> seemingly. So I think that you know the expectation of Quinn. Uh, I think they're both locked in, but Quinn has a lot on him, and I don't disagree with you. Um, you know, in, in terms of in terms of on the offensive side of the ball, that he has a lot of pressure on him as well. But if you think about it, how many games have we had with a experienced CD Lamb, a healthy offensive line, and our full three wide receivers and Dak Prescott all healthy at the same time? It yeah. hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It hasn't happened. We haven't seen it. So that's why I say that there's less pressure on that side because, guess what, no matter, you could hand a ball off to either one of those guys and somebody's going to shoot, you can hand it off to Lyle O'Connor and he going to do something with the ball. As long as we have a, 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 healthy, a healthy offense, we're going to be good.
3: You remember when uh, in 2016 when, yeah, I, 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 it's, there's a party out there, Isaiah? Isaiah, yeah. is he is going S. bumping? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh goodness.
3: Do you remember in twenty sixteen at, at training camp when uh Romo got hurt and there was a press conference and they were asking the Joneses what to do now at quarterback. And would they would they be interested in Nick Foles, possibly? And and Kellen Moore or, he, Jerry had the famous line, we like more. We like more. Yeah. And it turned out they also liked Dak Prescott because that's what happened. Sure, he, yeah. Moore got hurt a few days later and then became the <laughs> Dak Prescott show and hit and then the rest is history. But they love Kellen Moore now. They don't, just don't. They don't just like him. They love him. Mm-hmm. I, I think you talk about bright yeah. offensive minds around the league. Who's trying to find the next Sean McVay? They think he's got that type of ability. Mm. So I don't think he's going anywhere in and terms
1: of play calling. Improved it on January second of this year by extending his contract. Yes. You know, when all of the whispers and everything Absolutely. was going on about him possibly moving to Boise. being the Boise head coach, it, they said I, I I shut that down real quick. <laughs> let's go ahead and get this extension out. Because of good point. you know, because of what he's done in this offense. Look, guys, putting all of this together is what Kellen Moore is charged with. You know, let's get put this offense together and have the rhythm that we expect. Last year, man, let's just call it a one-off with having four different quarterbacks starting. Yep. Uh, it's really hard to get any continuity synergy between any any of your lineups that you put in. I think if we go back over the season, maybe the Pittsburgh game, a loss was probably the first time that we saw the offense look anything similar to an NFL offense because, look, man, with Danucci, with a lot of the other guys that were in there, they just didn't have that rhythm. So the offseason right now OTAs is paramount for the su- success for both of these that's Both a great point.
3: Like I don't even know if we really saw how they want to play with Kellen Moore calling plays with this yeah. offense last no. year because they put themselves behind the eight ball with turnovers and they yep. got off to, to your point with rhythm. They need to get off to better starts offensively. That small sample size didn't go off to good starts, but they showed they could move the ball. Uh while Dak was in there, they just turned it over and then they become a pass happy offense. Then when Dak gets hurt, they have to become more of a run, you know, take the ball out, air out of the ball type offense, mm-hmm. uh, run first. So, I think there's more of a balance there that we haven't seen yet with this offense. And I'm, I'll, I'm with heck. I'll, in, just, in, I'll make is, excuses for him. I, when you start eight different offensive line combinations, <laughs> Isaiah, and like 12 different overall combinations yeah. within games, I don't know how you how you sustain anything offensively the last 11 games of the season. Mm.
2: No, absolutely. I mean, the expectation last year was, I mean, you heard Mr. Jones say it himself, you know, the level of expectation has has changed, right? That, that has moved now after Dak got hurt. But to your point in terms of Kellen Moore, have, have we had opportunity to really see what he wants to do with this offense? I say the answer is no, because from the first game, shoot, we had guys going down, right? We had guys going down immediately, you know, Jarwin going down and, you know, it's like that changes everything. Now, what the heck do we have in Schultz? Let's figure it out, right? But we haven't had any games with an experienced C.D. Lamb, so a, a solid three three receivers out there with experience, a healthy Jarwin, right? And we got Schultz backing him up now. All of our offensive line coming back, and Dak coming back with a, with a vengeance. I, I'm excited to see what these guys are going to do, um, but I, I do not agree that he has the most pressure on him. And with all of that,
1: you have an Amari Cooper that has 1,100 yards receiving. You have an Ezekiel Elliott with all of his fumbles, six yards, seven yards away from going over 1,000. You have C.D. Lamb that's right on the cusp of 1,000. Gallup, all of the other guys that have contributed on this offense, even in the down year. So it's hard to say look Kellen Moore mm-hmm. has to give us more. Obviously, you feel as though with getting his weapons back or getting Dak Prescott back to navigate this offense, you gotta feel good about his job and what he's gonna do.
0: Yeah, I still want more. That's my biggest thing is is I want <laughs> I want M O R E from M-double-O-R-E. <laughs> want right. more from Kellen Moore. I want to see right. the creativity. I want to be able to rely on him as a play caller, as an offensive coordinator, and say, hey, whenever things go wrong, don't worry. We got Kellen Moore. He's got this. He's a creative mind. I want that kind of confidence mm. in my offensive coordinator, and I don't have mm. that right now. I'm not saying he's a, not a great young Coordinator. I think he is. I think he does have tools to become. You want an Eric B. Enemy. You want, that's I want what you want. That guy. Yes. That's what I want. You got so. that guy. It is Kellen Moore. He did a lot of cool stuff with Danucci. <laughs> <laughs> In that Eagles He's game. He's making fun of you. Don't you. He was doing Uncle Rico on the sideline with Ben Danucci. <laughs> what he was doing. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, like what creative? What your what, mountain? Where can they be more creative? <laughs> you know, and that's tough because, like you said, we haven't seen a full fledged or a toolbox for Kellen Moore to get creative with it. And I think it's more so of going back to whenever he didn't have those tools, whenever he didn't have the tackles. How do you how do you find a way to make Brandon Knight and Terrence Steele successful? And I think we saw a little bit of that maybe during the three-game win streak right at the end, but yeah. once again, who were we beating? You the Cowboys were beating They didn't beat Cincinnati, a winning team they were year. beating yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah, you weren't beating those those big-time teams. And then also creativity on the offensive scheming to stop a, a pass rush like Washington. If you're going to win this division, you're going to have to find a way to stop Washington's front seven. Plain and simple. I mean, you're going to have to find a way to stop them and slow them down from either getting to your quarterback or getting to your running back, who you've, by the way, invested multiple millions of dollars in that backfield. So I just need to see the creativity from Kellen Moore, whenever things go wrong, because anybody can be successful when everything's going right. I need to see it whenever everything hits the fan, and Kellen Moore's got to make some some different uh, different decisions.
3: And the odds of having your starting five up front ready for all six, 17 games. Probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. The odds
0: are against you. I love how you hit, said 16 and then switched <laughs> over to 17. I, I can't do it either. i got to do it at the same time. Mm. All right. When we come back yeah, we got I like it, Yeah, right? <laughs> we've got some mailbag Monday on the other side of the break. Bradley and i is he going to see a little bit more time gone. this year? Yeah, he is my guy and I'm I'm, I'm unfortunately probably going to say no, but we're going to talk about that. And the Cowboys sign a wide receiver off the free agent market. Who are they bringing to town for OTAs when we return here on Talking Cowboys presented by Geico? What a tease.
2: It's
0: not complicated. At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's
3: skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black! Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping! The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB.
0: That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter. 10 bucks, free shipping! Before there was a draft, you could size up a Cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A
2: man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is
0: proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys.
2: There's nothing as unique as our eyes.
0: You're watching from home, or you're cheering in the stands with Essilor lenses. You can see every exciting play. Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and see what Essilor can do for you. See more, do more Essilor here at Cowboys. At he is showing it off in the tropical sun with those sunglasses. You brought him today. Thank goodness, Isaiah, for uh, for bringing the Essilor lenses. He's in Fiji. There's a, Fiji. There's a party out that window. window. <laughs> there's
2: definitely. Hey, look at minute. Hey, hey, I'm going to be out there as soon as this show's over. You know what I'm saying? I'll
1: be out there. He is he, talking to himself because he's in the yeah, penthouse yes. and he's on the top floor. There's nobody out there. Yeah, he's,
0: uh, yeah, you're exactly right. He's at least 13 stories above ground. Yeah, he's doing, Believe uh, that. doing great work out there sticking with us. Isaiah stand back. Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, I'm Kyle Yeomans. We've got Mailbag Monday coming up here in a couple of moments, but an update for Cowboys roster is the Cowboys do sign a wide receiver. There's been a lot of hubbub on social media about wide receivers coming to the Cowboys potentially coming to the Cowboys on social media, but Johnny Dixon, wide receiver who was with the Houston Texans That was the wrong Jay <laughs> no, 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 Wrong Jay, we can't really talk about it but Johnny Dixon, <laughs> 5'11 receiver, 200 pounds out of Ohio State, uh, he was uh, he was a tryout partner, uh, one of the two guys to work alongside Brett Hundley last Friday. Rob, what do you know about Johnny Dixon as he comes in uh, as a quick little camp signee?
3: I know that he went to Ohio State.
0: That's it. That's all I know. Okay. Well, played at Ohio State. Caught sixty-seven career passes, close to. Uh, 1,200 yards, had 16 touchdowns, went undrafted in 2019, spent time with the Cardinals and the Browns this spring before signing the deal in Dallas recently. So a quick update. Not yeah, not the J anybody's hoping for, uh. but uh, yeah, so that's fun. <laughs> There's Johnny Dixon on his way, though. Uh, Let's talk about this Mailbag Monday question. And, of course, you can go read the answers from Rob and the group on DallasCowboys.com and see the entire Mailbag article. But Bradley and I, what? You've been in your bag. He has
1: been on your bag. on your articles. What I do? What I do? You've been ah. Oh, that's that's a. I'm sorry. That's a good reference to you. Have been on it, brother. Thank you. All right. When you hear on, in your bag, that's where you. Thank.
3: Okay. Yeah. I yeah. uh, got it. All,
1: All right. right. My bad. My bad. I
3: can
0: hear Jimmy. Right. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome. Just the that's, just that interaction was my, my good favorite. Good, part your Bonnie's
2: reference show. for the day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh. Appreciate that, Hank. <laughs> goodness i don't even know where to go from here is is there a chance we may see bradley and i anywhere but the bench this upcoming season seems like he was in high regard when he was drafted but he never got any playing time that was from larry shoemaker from wichita falls texas greatest place on god's green earth rob you answered this question so i'll let you start this off bradley and i now in a crowded room of edge rushers where do you see him falling at
3: I don't know. It's going to be tough. I mean, I, I think if you just look at his measurables, and we talked, I mean, we've talked more about arm length in the last two weeks with football players than I ever have in my life. And that was like the big knock on him coming out. Like that and his 40 time were why mm-hmm. he probably dropped to the fifth round, whether that's fair or not. So yeah. if you just look at his measurables, you think, well, maybe he's not a Dan Quinn type of guy. But. He's got a great motor. He's got good technique. He was very productive in college. I'm surprised, guys, he didn't play last year. I don't really understand that, especially when things were going down the tubes yep. in November um, and even December. So, but he's got competition. They signed Terrell Basham to kind of replace Alden Smith, and then you draft Chauncey Golston. You know, that's a Dan Quinn type of pick. So, uh, you know, he's not he's not with the current regime that drafted him, and that's always tough.
1: Heckma. Well, they try to make it seem like a has these T-Rex arms or something, man. I mean, how
3: yeah, sharp! Somebody uh, wrote
0: that. Yeah. So, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. John
1: Owning uh, of Dallas
3: Morning News. He does great work. Super that's, work. Th- that's what he wrote about him when he got drafted.
0: <laughs> he did write about it. Tiny yeah.
3: little T-Rex
0: arms. I think oh, I DM'd wow. him afterwards too. Wow. And talked about it because uh, well, Bradley's my like, guy. Well, Damn.
1: <laughs> That is that's, so that's hard. But I will say this, you know, <laughs> as far as the competition in that room, I think, you know, there are no Dan Quinn guys. Can you make plays? Can you get to the ball? That's all he cares about. And, look, I feel like as far as the measurables are concerned, all of these guys are going to get a fair shot to plead their case for what they can do during season. Uh, a lot of it's going to come down also to special teams. Yes. How many of these guys can get those special teams uh, huh. rep? If you can't, then that's going to keep you from making the 53 and actually getting on the field. So, mm-hmm. look, I, I don't... Uh, <laughs> look, there's a there's so much to be made of the measurables and who's a Dan Quinn guy and who isn't. I don't believe in that. It's the same thing with Francis Bernard and him being a shorter guy in the linebacker room. Will he make an impact as well with the linebacker yep. room being this? crowded as it is i think because his ability to get on the field and
2: special teams it makes him a viable option as well that's fair
0: that's fair isaiah uh
2: there is a such thing as being a dan quinn or any other coach guy uh i'll throw that out there but it really in terms of dan quinn and me understanding who he is as a coach and as a person you could become his guy if you come in and give 100 percent effort and do exactly what your coach should do it's real simple. Can you be somebody that you that he depends on, and can he be somebody? Can you be somebody that he depends on to go 100 every time you, every time you touch the field, whether that's one play or whether that's a 70 plays a game? It doesn't matter. He wants you to be dependable, and that's what he's looking for: high energy, dependable guys. Um, but it's going to be very difficult for Bradley and I to make this team. I mean, just call it is. It is what it is. I think all the guys in that position, except for the high end guys, the D laws and uh, of this world, they're all going to be rotational players. I think this deep, this defensive line is going to be uh, character. I think it's going to be guys going in and out. One play, you see a guy, you know, might be in for one play, might be in for two plays. I don't think there's going to be too many guys that are out there for three plays, three straight downs, or, you know, uh, one series and it comes back to another series to be the, the starter out there. So, um, you know, to Heckman's point, special teams when you're a guy like him, what can you contribute on, on in, that, in that third of the game? So you guys got to think about it. There's, there's offense, there's defense, and there's special teams. But special teams, you got kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt return, Field goal, field goal block—that's what you have, right? So you have six different areas that you can affect the game versus just the one on defense. So when everybody, when we're talking about special teams, people out there need to understand: there's a, there's in a, in a big way, you can really earn your spot on this team. Don't forget
3: about Dorrance Armstrong
2: too in that that
3: rotation because Jerry, I I was like a streak on the fan during last season, like he would mention Dorrance Armstrong every time. And uh, and to and to y'all's point, he's become kind of a favorite, I think, of John Fossil on special teams. Yeah. So. I think he's got a spot unless, you know, something happens, but um it's going to be tough. Sorry, and sorry I, to break it to you,
0: KY. I know. And and I I think that's one of the reasons why Francis Bernard has a, ch- a shot at still making the team even though he was undrafted last year and and saw minimal playing time on defense, his impact on special teams. Yeah. And, and he played a, a decent amount of special teams last year. One more thing on that though, cuz I, I'm with Isaiah. Like I do think coaches have their guys,
3: right? Uh, but and, and not to say that you can't become a Dan Quinn guy. But I'm curious, like a like a Jordan Lewis. You know, all we've been talking about is big, long, rangy corners. That's what Dan Quinn wants. That's what. Chris Richard wanted when he was here so is that how's that going to affect a Jordan Lewis because he's a he's a competitive edgy type player that's what they need on defense Mm -hmm. talk about culture but he doesn't fit that mold so like it's kind of the same thing what's what's his role going to be I think he's going to play but but he doesn't fit the measurable side of it you know.
1: You talked about the, the competitiveness, the edginess, and I think that's what this team needs. When, yeah, you, yeah. when uh, Isaiah talks about Dan Quinn and his responsibility of building culture, I think you have to build it with guys like that. That's why your draft class is comprised of guys that have that competitive edginess to them, and we know Jordan Lewis is that. So you sign a guy like him yeah. to you know renegotiate. He gets a new deal because of what he brings to the table. I don't see him as a, a carryover. Uh, sort of a guy on defense. I think he, you know, what he can give you from the slot. But I don't see. I don't think Jordan Lewis sees himself as a slot corner. I think he sees himself as one of the top dogs, a guy that can play on the outside yeah. as well. So I mean, that's that's why OTAs is so important, just to allow these guys to mm-hmm. compete and give their case for where they're going to be
0: uh, in the fall. Yeah, and going back to Bradley and I, I'm looking at some of his draft stuff. I mean, he had shorter arms than the defensive tackle class that the Cowboys brought in last year and this mm. year, and he's an edge rusher. Mm. So, I mean, it's not necessarily T-Rex arms, but 32 in and in an eighth is what he was measured at at the Combine last year, and, I mean, that's shorter than every defensive lineman pretty much on the roster right now. I I mean, as as a guy that has looked at yeah, maybe—go well, for it, Isaiah—
2: I was gonna say, I mean, I know a lot's made up of the arm length, and that's always great to have if you have it. But at the end of the day, defensive ends, you're looking for explosiveness. You're either mm-hmm. looking for extreme size and power, or you're just looking for explosiveness, right? So if you if you lack both that's when you're in a, in a kind of a pickle, right? So we obviously know that Bradley and I is not the largest man in the world no. um, in terms of for his position. So that, that's against him, right? Now you have to look at the explosiveness. Well, we've seen him on film get off the ball, but will we classify him as explosive? So those are the things that he needed to work on over this past season and hopefully this offseason that put him in a better position to compete because if you don't have the size, then you're just you're just a guy. And I mean, and he can't be in in, in, that, in that category. He can't be.
0: And he maybe will be one of those super-benefited players from having a full offseason, finally. Because last year, you think about the rookie class. Didn't have that offseason. We can kind of harp on that as much as we want. At some point, it becomes a little bit of an excuse. But for a guy like Bradley and I who needed the reps, who needed to show exactly what he had because of his explosiveness and the lack of measurables, he's a guy I think could benefit from – Things like OTAs and and, and, oh, yeah. and and things like that this upcoming season. If he's not going to make the roster, I think it'll be one of those final cuts. He's going to play through the whole preseason. He'll be there for a qu- quite some time. I think there's a chance he does, but man, bringing in guys like Chauncey Golston and Terrell Basham and, of course, Doritz Armstrong already being there, Randy Gregory and his emergence, I, it, it's going to make things really tough. I mean, that was already what? I just named five guys right. outside of Bradley and I, I and then you've also right got Tank. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you've got... Uh, You've got six guys there as edge rushers, and usually you only, what, carry six or seven? So he's on that borderline of making the team. I want him to make the team because I want to see what he's got, but that's something else uh, to look for here this offseason. So... We also didn't get the hit on this last week because we were so wrapped up in Newarky mini minicamp and the excitement of finally seeing a little bit of football. But the NFL schedule is released, and for those who listen to our show exclusively, hey. we haven't actually got to talk about the schedule. We didn't. A whole lot. We have the official dates now of the preseason games. It starts off with Pittsburgh in Canton, Ohio. A makeup, as I should say, of the Hall of Fame game that was August 5th. It was scheduled for August 6th of 2020, but now we will play it on August 5th this year. That's going to be a fun one, Heckma. Steelers, Cowboys to kick off the 2021 season, hopefully in front of stand, uh, fans in the stands up in Canton.
1: Man, if it's anything like the NBA, the NBA is rocking right now with fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I can't wait. I was watching yesterday the Knicks at the MSG. Garden. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, they were rocking and you you see the difference that having fans in the stands make for the overall vibe and output in a basketball game. So, I'm excited to see stands back in the, in, the, in the in the fans in the stands uh, the again. But, you know, this team is actually getting ready. These guys are getting ready for a season, right? I mean, this what you do with the Bradley and Knives and guys like that, what are you doing against TB12 on Thursday night? Mm. That's that's what you got to get ready for. And so much of this is going to surround finding your playmakers, getting your guys, Tampa Bay, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Panthers, the Giants. I mean, this is what you're building your team for, and it starts right now. So whether guys like Bradley and I are finally make the 53 and, and contribute, it's going to be because they are making p- plays in the preseason.
0: And there's, there is a look at our f- top five games if you're watching this podcast, but we'll run it down. Tampa Bay, Thursday night football to kick off the season. Week two, I think that's a sneaky, sneaky game, and we're going to have a lot of conversations about that Chargers game week two because, I, because of week one being as volatile as it is on Thursday night football against the defending champions. I think that week two game against the Chargers is going to be a pivot point Coming up here in the next couple of months of talk, how, how do you feel about that first game?
1: When uh, you saw it, what did, what did you say? I know what Isaiah said, but what, what did you guys <laughs> say when you saw I, that?
3: The first thing I said was, "Oh, oh, ratings are—they're uh, not a problem with the Cowboys after all." You know, <laughs> remember that whole thing yeah, in, in no. December? Like, oh, they got flex; yep. nobody wants to watch the Cowboys anymore. Please, Oops. please, give me Dak Prescott back on the field, and they want to watch him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but do I feel great about that? The 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 first team in the, what the salary cap era to return all twenty two starters on yeah. a Super Bowl team that's that's Woo. not great, Bob. I don't I don't love that. <laughs> I don't love that. But but you know I th- I thought Mickey made a good point. It's like if you're Mike McCarthy, you do love it because you're pointing towards the champs. Week one, prime time. Mm-hmm. We got to be ready, guys. So I think in that regard, it's good. But it that I'm with you on the week two being sneaky because. By all means, they can they can beat Tampa Bay, but if you were to drop that game and you're staring 0-2 in the face going cross-country the other way again, yep. I just go back to 2011 when the Cowboys were 0-1 going to San Francisco and they knew what it means if you dropped 0-2. That's why mm-hmm. Romo played with a punctured lung. That's why Witten's ribs were busted up and they found a way to win that game. So that's it, there's a lot of weird stuff on this schedule.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely is, and if uh, if you lose Week One, y- you're expected to lose Week One, right? You're playing up against who the says defending champion. That. I don't know about who says that? I'm just saying that no, 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 you no, no, were to lose from a mad. national standpoint. Let's not. I'm not. I don't put on a helmet, so I can say whatever I want. I don't put on a star. I don't put on a helmet, Couldn't and, back and I, on. thank goodness. So, <laughs> come on, From a national standpoint, you're expected to lose Week One. Week two, you're expected to turn around and win that game, but that's not necessarily an easy win by any means. With Justin Herbert, with uh, an upstarting Chargers team, week two, on, like Rob said, on the road on the West Coast, that's a different type of game. Week two, and if you drop to zero and two, my goodness, I, I think you're in a little bit of trouble. Even though you do return home for three games right after that, and I will stand on that because the Cowboys <laughs> could win that game, sure. They could win Week One. That would be outstanding. We would party in here if the Cowboys come out with a Week One win. Isaiah, stand back.
2: Say something. <laughs> Co- coach still, me up, Mister Standback. My just came out of Kyle's mouth. I'm, mm. I'm trying to digest this. Look at I'm me. Trying to digest this. The Cowboys uh, the, the, will
0: lose Week One. I'm predicting it right now. It's going to happen.
2: Wow. It's just, the defending champion. Oh, I'm not going shoot. out on a limb. It's fine. Over here. It's fine. I am I am not going to make that statement right now, uh, but what I will make the statement I will make is the reason why the week one matchup is good for the Cowboys is the same reason why not good for the Cowboys, and that's the amount of time that you have to prepare for your opponent. Mm-hmm. You have the most time to prepare for your week one opponent. That's just facts. Even when you take in um, the the bye weeks, right? You have three four weeks to prepare for your first for your first game and your coaches even started preparing before that so but for that reason you know those guys would be prepared for that for that for that defense they know they have all the last year's film to to look at because all those guys are coming back but for those same reasons tb12 has that same amount of time to prepare for Mm -hmm. for your guys uh for your defense you know fans out there and you know, obviously, Quinn has some film that they can go back and watch, um, but the personnel and how he plans on utilizing it, you know, gives the Cowboys a little bit of an edge. It gives them a little bit of an advantage over TB12 because for the first half, they're going to be trying to figure us out versus we're going to already know what they're doing Right. for the most part. They always have their tweaks. But uh, for the most part, they're point. going to settle into who they are versus, versus the Cowboys. They don't know what the heck we're bringing, at least in all three facets of the game. So I'll say that. Week two matchup dangerous. Week three matchup dangerous. Uh, that first three weeks is, is strong. Yeah, I'm just gonna put it out there. That first three weeks is strong. And I know people people are gonna say, oh, Philadelphia is easy. Eh-eh. Rivalry games rivalry. aren't easy. Rivalry games r- rivalry games against you know a Jalen a, a, a confident Jalen Hurts and and everybody else that they that they're adding over there receiver more wise is yeah. dangerous. So these first yeah in prime time. So this this first three weeks is a it's a doozy. Look, I, I got to say this.
1: You know, when, when the schedule dropped and Cowboy fans automatically conceded the first game, it absolutely makes me sick. No. It does. It makes me sick. No. And so the Kyle reason,
3: makes you sick. No, nah, that's, that's,
1: that's my boy. I love him to death. If People think we don't like each other, but I actually <laughs> love him. you uh, think that? Yeah. Uh, here's the thing. So here's, here's what I feel for Cowboy fans that are just dropping the first game to Tampa Bay. Look, the... The number one basketball team in the nation is in New York, and they are called the Harlem Globetrotters, right? Mm -hmm. The Harlem Globetrotters, everywhere they go, (laughs) they win their games, right? But they bring a team to play against with them, and it's called the Washington Generals. And right now, what you're calling the Dallas Cowboys is the Washington Generals, that we're just going to go out there and watch them raise the banner and lose. And to me, that's nutless and gutless. Whoa! Hey there, Jason Garrett. Whoa! I love it.
2: Yeah. Just like that. Wasn't that a JG speech? No. Hey, hey, hey! Not listen, gut. Hey, gutless gutless. Heck, I'm with you, big dog. I'm with you. I, I honestly think, I think the Cowboys, a healthy Cowboys. Let me, let me, let me, let me leave with oh, that. Okay. A healthy All Cowboys right. team matches up Already very well against Tampa Bay. <laughs> hey, JG I mean, had I mean, it right. I'm, JG had hey, it, it, it right. It is what mm-hmm. it is. It is. I mean, they've got no. I I mean, we talk about when you talk yeah. about teams. Yeah, you have a when you have a healthy. Dallas Cowboys which we should be week 1 hopefully barring injuries in a preseason or camp a healthy Dallas Cowboys team matches up very well against Tampa especially under, under these circumstances in terms of them not knowing what we're going to do now it's all uh, dependent on what Dan Quinn shows in a preseason and all that jazz he's a, he's a, he's a veteran coach so he knows what not to show but how they plan to utilize their guys Tampa Bay's going to have to try to figure it out figure that out for the first half of the game right so it's going to be how who can withstand um, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flows of the game the longest. And obviously we know TB12 is capable, but it's, it's a lot. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be an emotional game, uh, especially with Dak coming back, Tampa Bay raising a banner. It's going to be a lot. Who is the most mm-hmm. stout team when it comes to emotions and being able to play through the ebbs and flows? I, I do like
0: the point that Rob made, and, and Isaiah added on to it as well, but talking about how Mike McCarthy through this entire offseason, and like Heckman even said a, a little bit earlier, You're not playing for Pittsburgh, Arizona, Houston, Jacksonville. You're playing for Tampa Bay. And every time you step out on that practice field, Mike McCarthy's going to remind them that, hey, the champs are waiting for you. The defending champs who have the target on their back. The Cowboys are usually the team franchise-wide that has had their target on their back. But now they get to be the hunter. And I like that a lot. And I think that's a, a great mindset to have this team ready to roll going into week one rather than trying to find a rhythm in week six, seven, or eight in the middle of what is a tough stretch of schedule into the season.
3: Real quick, just I mentioned some weird stuff on the schedule. It's the first time since 2012 they start a season with two straight road games. Hmm. Only the third time since 2012 they'll start and finish the season on the road. Which, And, and then you go into December, January, it's four of six away from at and Stadium. you got three straight road games in there you also have three straight home games it's just it there's a lot of weird stuff on paper that you're like man this is this is kind of challenging but it, it just comes down to like if they're better this year yeah. they're healthy they're better on defense they're just a better football team none of that stuff matters because you you know you we talk Tampa Bay any of these games they're good enough to compete with anybody if sure. they're healthy I believe that
2: on paper that's 100% hey, Rob, Rob, true I, 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 I agree with you the the, the most the most stifling thing that I see on this schedule is where our bye weeks, where our, where our away games are at. Yeah, That is the thing that really stands out the most to me. It's not just the opponents that we're facing. It's where you're facing these opponents at. You have to play at Tampa. You have to play in, in L.A. You got to play in New England. <laughs> you got to mm-hmm. play in Minnesota, in Kansas City. These are not easy plays and then freaking throw freaking the Saints on there. Golly. Yeah. I mean these are the so the most when you think about the most the most difficult places to play in the NFL, these are the teams that you talk about. These are the cities that you talk about. So these guys, the Cowboys, they got to figure it out now. Uh, obviously, obviously, we have a long way to go, but though just, just atmosphere and environment alone, those are some of the most difficult places to play in the NFL.
0: Yeah, it's a big part of the conversation, and I think we'll have plenty of that conversation throughout the year. But when we come back here on Talking Cowboys, OTAs, what are the expectations around Mike McCarthy's squad as they do point their compass in the direction of Tampa Bay on the road to start the season? When we return on Talking Cowboys, presented by GEICO. and a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt.
1: I deserve all that?
2: It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't.
0: A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve
2: that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here.
0: Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Cooler weather makes it easier to work outdoors, and we can make it even easier With our Buckaroo package that features a 3025E, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, box blade, and a trailer for $2.95 per month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. What could be easier? Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st,
3: 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now, let's get to work.
1: Back to Talking Cowboys. Get the ultimate fan experience for the ultimate Cowboy fan. Join Dallas Cowboys United presented by Globe Life starting at just $20. Join now and get your exclusive fan pack and member benefits. Visit dallascowboys.com/united for details. Hello Hello. Hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Strange, (laughs) Strange, I almost like that better than the other thing we've been talking about that we can't legally talk about at this point. We cannot. No, but I I like that. That was good. Well done, Heckma Harrison. Thank you. Final segment here of Talking Cowboys presented by Geico from Inside the Star in Frisco. Rob Phillips, Heckma Harrison, Isaiah Stanback, who is remote today. Congratulations, sir. Yeah, my goodness. I'm Kyle Yeomans. And... OTAs start today, Rob. What are the week, what what do the weeks ahead look like for the Cowboys? Because they're on the field today. It will be inside inside the Ford Center, but I mean a lot of practice, a lot of lead in here in the next couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, so they've got six OTAs scheduled over the next three weeks, including um, what three this week, or maybe is it two? It's two this week, two this week, two next week. To the week after, followed by the mandatory mini camp with everybody, June eighth through the tenth. And you know, coaches can have up to ten OTAs on their schedule. They've only got six, and I, I think they, they still have the option to add more, but I think it probably comes down to the fact of it's a longer camp coming up, longer mm. preseason, and this is a way yes. hopefully they get all their work in, Isaiah, and then give them a nice break. Uh, till we don't know the exact dates for training camp, but usually if, it's, if you subtract two weeks from that August 5th opener in Canton, uh, they're going to camp pretty early. So that's why they've only got six. A little different by Mike McCarthy there. So,
0: Isaiah, just from a player standpoint, how much of a difference would that make, taking four practices – out of the the equation. I mean, it uh, it may not end up being four full practices. It could end up being just three or two that they don't end up using because, like Rob said, they can still add on some more OTAs. But how much of a difference does that make, especially when the preseason is on the horizon?
2: It's huge. It's huge, at least from the player standpoint. You start talking about adding that Hall of Fame preseason game in there, um, that adds on to your schedule. Imagine if you're on the roster – Maybe imagine if you're like on one of the on the edge guys, right? Call it call it, you know, like somebody like myself, for some of the years I was playing. On the edge guy, and all of a sudden they throw an extra game on your on your preseason schedule. So now you're playing not only your 17 regular season games, but you're playing all those preseason games. Oh, and then you factor in another five weeks of camp or whatever it is. It's a lot, man. You any any opportunity that coaches have to minimize your ability to get injured. I think it's a smart move on behalf of the coaches. They obviously have to get their work in. They have to get their install in. They need to get their continuity. All these things need to take place. However, whenever you can ease the players' minds in terms of their physical well-being and their mental well-being, I think it's a plus for not only the individual but also the team.
1: Yeah, you started to see the mentality change with head coaches and organizations just not grinding their guys in the offseason. I think you talked about how offseason OTAs used to be so much different. You and Isaiah were having a conversation about that. These used to be full pads and guys going at it. Uh,
3: And rookie camp, too. And rookie camp. Two practices in in the heat for rookie camp and guys throwing up and stuff. Yeah, "Eh, no
1: more that. So, I mean, so like Isaiah says, there's some guy that's going to play all 22 of these games, preseason and regular season and – hoping, you know, playoff run as well. But, you know, that's a lot of football games to be played, and I know that we're all – football teams are getting into the analytics of it to keep guys healthy, and I just think that's just another part of it from this organization, just to say, look, I know we can have 10. Let's pull
0: back and just have six. What are some of the goals, Rob, of this team throughout OTAs to try and find footing – into what will be a longer training camp?
3: Uh, besides health, and and you guys just hit on that, you just don't want to get anybody hurt. Sean Lee mm-hmm. tearing his ACL in 2014, I think, it was the first mini-camp or OTA. Just stay healthy. Uh, that's why you're going to see guys coming off of major injuries probably be scaled back. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how much Dak does mm-hmm. um, and and other guys, too. Blake Jarwin, the tackles, Lyle and, and Tyron, guys like that. But aside from just, you know, making sure guys stay healthy and ready for training camp, just the installation part of it, you know, just having you know, getting a lot of the sure. install done so by the time you get to training camp, it's basically in and, and you're just fine-tuning things and and there are some competitive parts of the, of the OTAs, but that's not as important as when you get to camp and the pads come on. Yeah. Isaiah?
2: No, I mean, I think Rob just hit on it. I mean, it's more so than anything OTAs and coaches, the first one, the coaches Coaches are coaches, right? They want to coach. They want to be on the field. They don't want to be in a the classroom. They want to see their guys, right? There's imagine you have all these, I think we talked about in the past, you have all this, all these toys that you got for Christmas, and all of a sudden you just want to, you just want to put them on the table and start playing around with them, right? And that's what these <laughs> coaches want to do. They want to put their guys together. To, you know, you know, <laughs> Coach Quinn, all the talk about him. Trust me, he's one of the most energetic guys on his on this whole, in his whole entire organization, aside from Fossil, right? He wants to get out there and run around with his guys. He wants to put his guys in position for them to be successful. Okay, this is what our idea as a whole defense. Uh, things about where you can play. But hey, what if I take you and I put you out here or I'll put you down here on the line of scrimmage, right? What does that look like, right? And hey, they just want to go out here and just mess around with different schemes so that when they get to camp, it's no longer experimentation, right? They're simply just plugging and playing where they know that you can handle. And everything that Isaiah said is are, are things that you couldn't do
1: in a virtual setting. Right. <laughs> you couldn't right. do that in a virtual setting. And so as an evaluator, you want to be hands-on. And so having this opportunity to have an OTA, to be able to plug and play and put guys in different sets in your scheme to see how they operate is definitely what Quinn wants to do. I'm sure what Kellen Moore wants to do, knowing that he'll have a full season with CD and Dak and also with Jarwin, who went down the first uh, the first game of the season. Yes, but sir. you're right, the health is It's all about that. And if they have learned anything from implementation from the virtual part, I think that would make it easier for them to send guys home with certain things, get homework out so you can see, you know, how much of these guys are actually retaining what they're learning in a classroom setting. And so, you know, this is just a new this is a new NFL, man, where uh-huh. things are virtual and teams are having to just kind of dance around the idea of not having to put your hands on guys. Even, you know, look. COVID still is here. So with it, you know, I think those are some of the
0: precautions that they're having to to wave through. Gosh, that makes me so excited thinking about the different combinations that these coaches will get to work around with. Yeah. That they didn't last year. And that, I mean, that just gets me. That, that makes me so much happier to have these things in person, yeah. as opposed to being virtual. And plus, I mean, we've already seen, like you, you said about playing the toys, or I guess Isaiah said it, about playing with your toys and wanting to kind of mix and match and put it all together. We saw the the opening of the first present and that was rookie minicamp, right. and that was seeing the rookies out on the field. And hey, where could this guy go? Where is Michael Parsons going to play in this defense? Where is Zuwa going to play on the defensive line? There's so many different ways so you could play around with it, and then... Guess what? You get to add them in with the veterans. Yeah. And that's something that they didn't get to do last year, which I think is going to benefit Dan Quinn. It's going to benefit this entire defense, and especially on the offensive side of the football, just getting those guys back. So that brings me back to this question. Rob, you you mentioned the offensive tackles and how intrigued you are to see what their workload's going to be like. Do you have any kind of expectation as to what what kind of work they'll see? I just know from history and the way they have plans for guys who had season-ending
3: injuries the year before, Isaiah knows this well, I mean, they they the staff points to training camp. I mean, they just I, I'm I'm very curious. You know, I I know Mike McCarthy was asked specifically about Dak recently, and he said, you know, he'll do most things. What is most things? I mean, is he going to take a bunch of team reps, or is he just kind of kind of continue his rehab plan and maybe do some individual <laughs> stuff and and get out there a little bit <laughs> and get ready for Oxnard if we're going to Oxnard officially mm-hmm. uh, and, and worry about that. That's kind of what I would anticipate for guys. That, I, that we just talked about it is not a full go type thing. Let's wait till we get to late July, whatever it is.
1: Yeah. No, don't want any mishaps or boo boos with that ankle. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, so you no, know, no sit boos. over there on the on the golf cart if you can. Um, you know, and, and you know they won't do that. But still, like, I mean, for all of these guys, it's just pivotal. Uh, and especially at Tyron Smith, I mean, limiting him with the neck and making sure that he gets back. Lael with with the hip, that's important. I mean, we saw how those guys being down how it affects us. But as far as my expectation for the guys in, in OTAs, I just want to see this linebacker group. I yeah. want to see how the these guys operate together. Obviously, we won't see anything. Maybe we'll see something with scheme and how they're used, who's going to be at the mic and who's going to be at the will? Because I think it's very ironic how this whole thing with Micah Parsons has been flipped to be a Micah versus Jalen instead of Micah and Jalen. You know How they both can be used together in concert to make this defense better.
3: Jalen, or Jerry mentioned, he said compatible. Compatible with the rookie camp when he was asked that very question. So, in Jerry's mind, they could be playing them together because Parsons,
2: Swiss Army yeah. knife kind of thing, you know? <clears throat> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Isaiah? Yeah, I think uh, you guys already hit on it. you know in terms of the guys getting through this thing healthy. Um, in terms of expectations of guys that are coming off of season-ending injuries, I don't foresee them doing many team drills. Um, so when you hear them kind of be broad in their statements, uh, referring to oh they do most things. Well, most things in OTAs happen to be you know on with just your offensive team, uh, just special teams doing you know doing the cover drills or defense doing things by themselves. Very 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 seldom do you come together. I um, mean, go against each other competitively. And when they do those things, you will not see Dak in there. When they do those <laughs> things, where they're getting hands-on and getting a little bit down and dirty, you will not see <laughs> Lyle. You will not see any of those guys out there. So uh, trust and believe that these, this this training staff is going to do everything possible to get these guys to training camp. It's inevitable. Whenever injuries do occur, you can't prevent everything, mm-hmm. but you control what you can control. Um, in terms of what I'm excited to see, I'm excited to see. You know, I'm, I'm excited to see these young guys come in and get plugged in. You know, what is, what's Dan Quinn going to do? How is um, you know Kellen Moore going to? facilitate this offense with all his resources that he has at his hands now, his disposal? Um, and what is Coach Fosso going to do? You know, where are these guys going to get in and fit in at on the specialties? Because that's such an important por- portion of this game. So many people throw it to the wayside, but you have two high-energy coaches now in Fossil and Quinn that are going to feed off each other. How's it all going to piece up together? So I'm excited. Man, health is the
0: number one priority. Yep. Versatility from the coaching staffs to kind of put put your players in the right position to be successful. That's kind of the theme going into OTAs, which do begin today at the Star in Frisco. But that's going to do it for us here on Talking Cowboys. So glad you've been with us here over the last hour. Hope you learned something. Hope you had a little bit of fun with us along the way. For Isaiah Stanback, who is living his best life right now. For Scott Purcell, Chris Beam in the back. For Rob Phillips, Eck Harrison, I'm Kyle Yeoman saying so long. We'll see you next Monday here on Talking Cowboys. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!